It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. All right, JT, back with you in studio with Bobby. I'm wearing a Guns and Roses shirt. He's wearing a Motorhead shirt. Tells you a lot about the show. We are brought to you by our good friends at Sam and Ash because you deserve what's right. Sam of Sam and Ash, my good friend, will be on with us tomorrow to talk about everything that happened in Vegas coming off the 4th of July. And as we are here in Vegas for the summer, you deserve the best of the best when it comes to personal injury attorneys. They're the best. You get two for one. Sam and Ash. Visit them at SamAndAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. I want to go back to the NBA Finals game one last night. So I'm at home doing the night show, and this game comes on, and I'm watching the match with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, the golf. Because I'm more into the golf than I am into the pregame of the NBA. So the game comes on, and in the first two or three moments of the game, two or three minutes, I have an epiphany moment. I'm looking at the game, and I'm seeing everybody on the court. Drew Holiday. Giannis looked great. He looked great, like he's 100%. Brooke Lopez, very good player. Chris Middleton, all-star, who could be an MVP candidate in this league. I look at Phoenix with Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, formerly of the Celtics, and I'm watching two or three minutes of the game, and I said, Bobby, I looked at it, I go, this is a great game. You had nine guys on the court who were really good players. I mean, there's no bums out there, and they were going back and forth. I was loving the game. So I got a new look at this game. I can't wait to watch the rest of the series. I had the Bucks in six if Giannis was 100%. He's obviously not 100. I'll go Bucks in seven, but they're in big-time trouble. As we go back to the game last night where you know, Devin Booker's a hell of a player, and it was more about Chris Paul, but when Booker had to step up, he hit some really big shots. Now the Suns come back. Booker open for three. Shows that. Much needed. Yes. Started with Chris Paul just going one-on-one, getting in the lane, and all the white jerseys collapse, and he finds Devin wide open. You know, there were a couple big stats in the game, but one of the biggest ones I wanted to bring up is Devin Booker was 10 for 10 from the free throw line. 10 of 10 for a young player in this league that Kobe said and took under his wing and said, you're one of the guys of the future. I mean, that is a really good performance to hit all your free throws and you're not the leading scorer the game was about Chris Paul he was incredible 32 points on the game it's the best game the biggest game he ever played in his life because it's the first time he was in the NBA finals and he won the game get it over to Chris Paul Paul on the drive goes inside go to the rim score it count it and he's fouled from behind by Giannis oh brother it was incredible so for Chris Paul to do that and we've been getting into that. How was Chris Paul able to play a game at that level where Jay Crowder is one of the best defensive guards in all of basketball? He wasn't guarding him half the time. Chris Paul was working on Brooke Lopez. He had a seven-footer on him at times. I mean, Budenholzer, I didn't think do it, did a good job with the matchups in this game. You got two guys that could do a better job who are decent defenders. Remember what P.J. Tucker did to Kevin Durant in the Brooklyn series when he got in his face and trash-talked him? Durant still went off in some of the games to score 49, but at least he had some guy emotionally in his face. P.J. Tucker and Drew Holiday 
and the rest of the Bucks' defense, not talking the offense, their defense, let Chris Paul shoot 12 of 19 for 32 points. That was shocking to me. And Phoenix, they just blew them out in the fourth quarter. When the game was on the line with under five minutes to go, they just put it away. And uh, Michigan is going to be Forbes, and the Suns have the ball to get it out to Chris Paul. This one is all over, but the early celebration, and it's over. Suns win. Suns win the opening game of the NBA Finals as they are impressive, downing the Milwaukee Bucks. It's the Suns 118, the Milwaukee Bucks 105, and the Suns take a one-game lead in the best of seven NBA Finals. Wow. Yeah, Suns radio on the call. I thought the game was outstanding. I am very optimistic with the rest of the series here. It isn't LeBron. Michael Jordan's not coming back in the hot tub time machine. There's no bird. There's no magic in the 84 Celtics and the Lakers. We're not going to get that, okay? Everybody could – we're not getting that. But what we're getting is a really good series with great players. I mean, there's six, seven all-stars running around this court in the NBA Finals, but we've been so used to Steph Curry and the Warriors winning three out of five, Tim Duncan and Manu and Tony Parker winning five, We're used to the star power. There's a lot of star power out there. After the game, Mike Budenholzer, head coach of Milwaukee, trying to deal with the fact that he's got Giannis back. And I think this is glasses half full. The fact that Giannis looked good, if I'm a Bucs fan, I'm happy about this. you got to listen to Giannis first. He felt good. The sports performance group, um, he'd been checking boxes the last you know couple days and making progress. And uh, you know he was cleared, and, and, and he wanted to go, and everybody was on the same page. So... You know, it's just a credit to him. And, you know, we talked just the work he puts in, the work the sports performance group puts in, um, you know, for him to be back playing in game one. Um, he's just, uh, it's really impressive what he did. Giannis played 35 minutes in the game, was 6 of 11 from the field, 7 of 12 from the free throw line. He had 17 rebounds and 20 points. That's a good double-double for a guy that didn't have to play. They could have just said, hey, we're going to rest you one more game. We'll take the loss. The one thing I wasn't sure about is he played 35 minutes. They got blown out at the end. I would they they took him out with under a minute to go. I would have had him out a little bit earlier, but he said he was fine and ready to go. Also, Budenholzer now has got to figure out what to do with the adjustments. They can't let Chris Paul do that again. He's a good player. Um, you know, their pick and roll game is tough to guard, um, and you know, so I think we just got to keep getting better. We'll look at the film. Um, you know, see how we can maybe take away some of the rhythm, you know, to just take it where uh, or make it where um, he's not getting to his spots as easily. You know, that would be, be a big part of looking between game one and game two. I believe that was a direct shot at Drew Holiday, and that's, that's okay, where he basically said we got to get him off his spot. Well, Drew Holiday is a NBA first-team defender. What's going on here? You take Drew Holiday and you say you're going to guard Chris Paul in the backcourt in the backcourt, and you're going to score, so Chris Paul has to use some energy on the defensive end. Seems like a pretty easy adjustment to me. Here's Drew Holiday that knows that the system was all screwed up and what the game plan was with Chris Paul. That's what CP does, those, those mid-range twos, those uh, 15-footer sidesteps, uh, sidestep to the right, he makes those. So uh, maybe just do something else, make him put it in his left hand, make him drive to the basket. Uh, Give him maybe a different look and, and, and do something ne- different next time. And finally, Giannis being back, this guy's a warrior. When the injury went down, he could have been gone. He could have tore his MCL and ACL. That's how bad it looked when he went down with that hyperextension. 
I love this kid. For him to come back, and why wouldn't you want to come back? It's the NBA Finals. He might never get to the Finals again, even though I think he will, but there's always a chance. Ask Patrick Ewing, Barkley, Malone, and Stockton who couldn't win. Gary Payton. When you get there, you want to win it all. Gary Payton won on the back end of the Lakers. But here's Giannis as he fought through the injury and found his way back on the court. At the end of the day, I'm out there. Um, I feel good. I don't feel pain. You know, I can run. I can jump. Uh, I can set screens. You know, I can uh, rebound the ball. I can do stuff. So I'm good. I'm happy. I'm happy that I'm out there. Uh, And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I haven't watched the clip, but when the play happened, I thought I'm going to be out for a year, you know. So I'm just happy that two two games later, I'm back. All right, so that's game one of the NBA Finals. I'd like to know what you think about it. I mean, I'm a sports talk host here. This is real sports radio. This is the NBA Finals. Did you watch the game last night? Did you put it on? Were you aware that the game was on? You know, I've been talking about this Rachel Nichols-Maria Taylor controversy which I think is a really juicy, big, big media story. It is. I think people tuned in because Rachel Nichols got benched. She wasn't the sideline reporter, and they took her off the jump, which is ESPN's pregame show for the NBA Finals, let alone the NBA all year. Maybe some people tuned in to see what that would look like, but the game lived up to the hype. I'm excited. Uh, For everybody who says, I don't watch the NBA, JT, I'm not into it. It's too woke. It's too political for me. I don't like this or that. Stop. It's the NBA Finals. You've been watching it your whole life. You watched it with your dad, your grandparents, whoever. You watch it with your kids. And it's important because it's historic. The NBA is a massive sport. This is who we have in the Finals. And I don't think we'll see a matchup like this again. The Suns look like a fantastic team that is peaking at the right time. Now, they've had some breaks. They didn't have to play Kawhi Leonard. They didn't have to play Jamal Murray when they played Denver. And, oh, when they beat the Lakers in the first round, the injury, the big injury that we saw to Anthony Davis. But no one's going to care. 20 years from now, when they, if they look up and there's a banner in their new arena, everybody will have a new arena in 20 years, they're going to remember who the Suns played in the playoffs. They're not going to remember who was healthy or not. They're just going to remember that the Suns got it done. And it would be good for Milwaukee to win game two. It would be very good for them to win game two because I just think the Suns are too good for Milwaukee to have to win four out of five. Four out of five, especially with two more of four out of five having to be in Phoenix. So the sense of urgency is really, really big going forward. Also, in years past, I know there's more COVID restrictions. The NBA is in Vegas now. Team USA is here training. You've seen the pictures over at the win. Over at uh, UNLV, it looks great. Kevin Durant, to see Tatum here. Uh, I'm sure that this is something that a lot of people in town are aware of. you got the biggest names in the NBA, other than the players in the finals, that are going to be here, having a really good time here. So Vegas again with Team USA. Jerry Colangelo and everybody behind the scenes, the coaches and the players, they want to be in Vegas. They want to be at Win. They want to go to their private dining rooms. They want to go to the steakhouse. They want to do everything that they can do here because Vegas gives them the opportunity to practice and practice really hard and build chemistry for the Olympics, but also gives them the perks of the nightlife and what they can do here, even though COVID's a big deal. And with the COVID numbers increasing dramatically, the recovery rate's fine, but as you know, the numbers are increasing pretty quickly here in regards to COVID that I'm wondering what their protocol is like. I'm assuming most of these athletes have been tested and, have been vaccinated, but you never know. So that is a real big storyline here as the NBA is here 
and we love this. I just think it's great for Vegas. Also, with Vegas coming up this weekend, Garth Brooks. So I've asked Bobby to play some Garth Brooks. Why not? Uh, Garth Brooks. My wife loves Garth Brooks. She's from Illinois. She's from the Midwest. And my wife, when we were in Cabo, my wife said to me, she goes, uh, look at this concert I went to. And Bobby, you'd get a kick out of this. My wife went to the original Farm Aid when she was a little girl. She went to Farm Aid in 1985. Okay, so she was a little girl. She was young at that point. In 1985, I was a sophomore in college. So she brought up, because she's a big country, country music fan. We met at the Rolling Stones, so she loves the Rolling Stones. And she says, look at who I saw in concert. Now, she didn't see every artist because it rained that day and it was this event that started in the morning and went late. But she was there. Bobby, check this lineup out. This is the greatest lineup I've ever seen in music, including Woodstock. Okay, so I'm going to deliver on this. I know this one already. Go yeah. ahead. Alabama, the Beach Boys, Bon Jovi, Jimmy Buffett, Glenn Campbell, Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash, Charlie Daniels, John Denver, Bob Dylan, John Fogarty, Foreigner, Vince Gill, Merle Haggard, Sammy Hagar, Daryl Hall, Don Henley, Waylon Jennings, now this is the one that surprised me, Farm Aid, Billy Joel, yep. George Jones, B.B. King, Carol King, Robbie Krieger, Chris Christopherson, Loretta Lynn, John Mellencamp, Joni Mitchell, Willie Nelson, Randy Newman, Roy Orbison. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Bonnie Raitt. Oh, I'm not even done. Eddie Van Halen, Brian Setzer, Kenny Rogers, Neil Young, and Lou Reed. What, no ZZ Top? No ZZ Top. <laughs> Not that I see. So that was Farm Aid. You know why that happened, right? Because that was the very first That was the first aid. one. That was when Willie Nelson was running it, and yeah. he went out and got all these oh, people. Oh, what himself. a lineup. That was, li- that was Willie did that. There'll never be a lineup like this again. Obviously, some of the legends have passed. To say you were at a concert with Johnny Cash... Billy Joel and Sammy Hagar and Eddie Van Halen. And Roy Orbison. Roy Orbison and all of that. And, you know, the Garth Brooks concert is important to Vegas because that was canceled twice. So when Allegiant was done and everybody knew that Garth was going to open it up and all the promotion came, that's when COVID just whacked us all and they kept putting that back. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to go Saturday. Uh, UFC, I've seen Conor fight before. I know a lot of people are going to the UFC fight, which is great which have everybody have a great time and enjoy that. I'll be over at Garth with some blue jeans on, drinking beer at the Torch, if you want to have, find me uh, before that. And as we wrap it up here, I want to say that we have locked up Grimaldi's again for another year. Another year, Grimaldi's will be one of our great, great partners. I'm from New York. My dad grew up in Queens with my mom. I've had pizza all over the world from outside the Vatican to Los Angeles, the best pizza I ever had. Never disappoints me, Grimaldi's five locations here in the Valley. JT, as we continue on here, thanks for listening as always to Raider Nation Radio and on that Raiders mobile app.
My feeling is it happened. It finally has happened. Uh, I've worked hard for it. I did not campaign it for it because, uh, you know, it's something you don't campaign for. You let other people do it. You let other people bring up what your, uh, what your accomplish accomplishments have been. And I just said, let, you know, my record uh, stands for itself. And hopefully it'll be good enough for the voters to, to grant me my, my last dream and, uh, and vote me into the Hall of Fame so I could be there with all my friends. Tom Flores, as we talk about coach leading up, we'll always talk about coach, but we're going to lead up to Canton and his induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as we brought to you by Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Modelo is the official beer of UFC, and we got a big Conor McGregor fight here in town. Get the official beer of UFC for fight night. So when you're watching the next big UFC fight, make sure you have a Chris Modelo especial within reach. Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Love Modelo's. We will have the bucket of Modelo's on Friday. As I'm joined by Steph McKenzie, the queen of the Raider Nation, who is Hollywooding around Southern California. How are you, Steph? <laughs> JT, what's up? I miss you. What is going on from Newport Beach, where safely my 18-year-old returned after his 4th of July trip that you're aware of? How is it? Is the June gloom going away? Are you out there? Are you out there in the sun? Oh, my gosh. It's so beautiful. Actually, you know, that June gloom kind of rolls off by noon. And yeah. Looking at the beach and the waves roll in and it's been chill and just a nice getaway before we get into some action. I've always said, and you know this, there are more Raider fans in Los Angeles, Southern California than Rams and Charger fans combined. The Charger fans don't exist in L.A. And Ram fans, no disrespect, they just don't have the history of the Raider Nation. Right. So there are Raider fans, I guess you're seeing all over the beach, right? Yeah, and you know, one of the things that I see a lot more of is the colored Raider hats. And remember, we talked about this right when we kicked everything off. It took me a while to get used to that because I'm only silver and black. When it comes to just me, I'm <laughs> silver and black. But there's a lot of Raider hats down here, and everyone's digging on the colors. Steph McKenzie joins us. We've been mentioning Tom Flores. You're a diehard Raider fan. i got to assume Coach Flores had a big impact on your passion for the team. Oh, absolutely. I was an L.A. Raider fan when I kicked everything off many years ago. And I just something about this more than anything, even Howie Long, which, you know, is my all-time Raider favorite. But for his spirit, for what he's done for the team, for being the first Hispanic quarterback, for everything he's done and paved the way, he was with a team that just allows it to happen and the passion for football. Just play football, be good, be great. And he has got to be the greatest of all great. Yeah, you know, I was looking back, Bobby and I, trying to grab sound bites of Coach over the years, and he's just a very common guy. Do your job. Another 30 minutes at the Super Bowl, his famous speech. Do your job. Play like a Raider. Wasn't a guy that yelled at a lot of people, but he had great authority, and all the players respected him because he was a player's coach. Well, and I love that soundbite that you just played before we went on as far as, and it goes throughout the history of the Raiders, mm -hmm. you don't need to brag. You just need to be you, basically, was what he was saying. I've accomplished a lot, but I don't need to go out there. It tells itself. The story is there, and here he is. Although it's taken a long time. We won't go down that rabbit hole. 
but I'm so excited for this. Steph McKenzie joins us, 97.1 The Point, biggest morning show in town on the best rock station. So this is important to me when it comes to Coach Flores and the history of L.A. As you know, one of the years in the wild card Super Bowl year, he was commuting. So he had the team up in Oakland, and he was commuting and playing games here, and he had to deal with his family, his wife and kids, and you have kids. And just think of what that was like for Barbara Flores as Tom's commuting to L.A. with a football team, winning games on the way to the Super Bowl. I cannot believe that enough people don't understand the magnitude of how he had to coach a team that had their home games on the road on the way to winning the Super Bowl. What a big storyline for him. Well, absolutely. When you have a family that's behind you and sometimes, you know, you're not seeing that whole story. It's tough. And to make that work, that dynamic is amazing. So for him to go back and forth and have a winning season, I mean, come on, that's a huge story. You've got to really dig into that one. Well, you're in Newport. You're coming back. I know you got another girl's trip, which we'll get to coming up. But <laughs> Garth, Garth Brooks in town. You know my wife loves country music. She's yes. excited. Everybody here, we got the UFC fight. So first off, I know you're giving away Garth Brooks tickets on your show in the morning. How big of a show is this? Because it got canceled twice. And now we're marketing it for the third time. It's one of the biggest shows in the history of Vegas. Well, this weekend is just going to be off the charts, especially for that. I don't even care if you're an uber country fan. Mm -hmm. If you're just going to dig into it and just be at, first of all, you're at Allegiant Stadium. You get one of the biggest tickets in town. I mean, this is explosive for this weekend. So we put it on the air. We've been promoting it for two weeks. And it's amazing who wants to go, who wants to be in that stadium. And you have one more chance tomorrow morning, too, to win those. So you're doing the show from the road? Uh, no, I'm flying back tonight. <laughs> oh, because, yeah, okay. You know, of course, I'm I'm that princess, right? Oh, I've been on vacation, but I'll come back to give away Garth Brooks tickets because it's that big. Uh, and you have another Napa trip coming up there. We used to love the Raiders being in Napa. I know. And again, I'm going to stay in my lane on when they'll be there again or what could happen down the road. But that's one of the things I miss the most right now at the end of July into August is going up to Napa with the Raider Nation. I know. I cannot wait for that. That is one thing. Going up there on this trip this time around is going to be, it's always Raiders for me, right? Mm. Taking my Raider apparel. We're, you know, going to be going to some vineyards. It's going to be fun, but it will always have the Raiders for me no matter what. And I always make, we're flying into Oakland because, you know, I have to. Yeah. But that's the that's the rules when you fly with me, JT. You've got to fly there just to get a little bit of some of that old school love. Were you in Newport for 4th of July or did you get there? You were there for the 4th and what was it like with all the fireworks? LA does fireworks big. Oh my gosh, the fireworks here were out of control. What a difference a year makes, right? With everything going on. And let me just tell everybody, his son was so taken care of. We were making sure we had his, our eye on him the whole time. We're like, where is he? What's he doing? <laughs> we don't want JT to get mad at us. <laughs> well, you know what was crazy about that story? Because the authorities can't catch me because they're not listening to the show. But right. when you have your kid in another state and you're out of the country... Right. That's uh, that's one where you're, you know, we got the tracking systems on our phones, which I'm very proud of. So we were checking in often. I don't want to look at my phone bill from Cabo, but with you, <laughs> with you and the supervision and the other moms that we know out there, thanks for being, thanks for being my go-to in case I needed it with this kid. Fortunately, I didn't need it. Well, we wanted to play a little trick on you, but oh, we're like, no. we don't want him to go spastic when he's oh. in another country. We were going to take a picture of him laying in the sand and go, we found your son. What's going on? <laughs> Can you believe how many people out here go to go to Newport? It's like Vegas West, isn't it? 
it, and it's still packed because, you know, of course, with the force falling on the Sunday, mm. people came in on Friday or Saturday and they're staying all week. So it's it's really it's a little Vegas almost. I'm happy you're flying last thing because I've been frustrated over the decades here about how traffic builds and people can't get to Vegas or especially leaving Vegas. And now the dream of building this rail system to Victorville, which I think is yes. garbage because no one wants to go to Victorville. you got to connect on another train to L.A. Right. I, I don't like the whole concept of it, but you've seen the traffic, and you're on the radio early Monday as people are trying to get out of here on Mondays instead of Sundays. It just feels like the traffic getting out of Vegas has never been worse. I agree. I've had to. My kids have been world travelers this summer going to see family members. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I, the only word that comes to mind right away has been atrocious. It has been awful. And to that point, I'm trying to leave, and my flight's been bumped twice already today. Well, the flights are so cheap that it's worth doing that. But if you do get bumped a few times, that's why people drive. They want to have control of their cars. But travel, right. travel safe. We'll talk to you. Good luck giving away those Garth tickets. We'll talk to you over the weekend. Yeah, you guys, don't forget Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks tickets tomorrow morning on Fox and McKenzie. JT, I miss you, and go Raiders. There she is, Steph McKenzie in Newport Beach, working on the tan, giving away Garth Brooks tickets tomorrow on Fox and McKenzie on 97.1 The Point. I'm excited for this concert. I just like big, big concerts. I like to go to concerts that have 40, 50, 60,000. I like that energy, so I'm very excited about this Garth Brooks concert, and I know that so many people are excited about the Conor McGregor fight and Dana White and the ability to have a big UFC card sold out capacity here. What a job that Dana White's done over the years and the ability to get this done. So absolutely incredible. T-Mobile will be back rocking. I'll be at the Wilder Fury 3 fight coming up here on July 24th. We have tremendous events all lined up here in Vegas. People listening around the country, go online and get your plane tickets. Do the right thing. Get out here for some of the big events we have. It's a little bit hot in Vegas, as you know, in the summer. But if you're inside a UFC card or if you're inside a casino or in the pool, it's fantastic as we get ready to talk to another Raider alumni. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Former Raider running back Joe Aska kind enough to join us playing for the Silver and Black from 95 through 1997. Joe, thanks for making time with us. How's your summer going? Thanks for coming on. Oh, it's going great, sir. Excellent. You know, I want to begin with your early career. Like all former players I talk to, I look into your high school years You won state titles in the 100 meters and 200 meters. Also were a brilliant tailback and lettered in basketball. So take me back to your youth and playing all these different sports. Who motivated you to do that, to play multiple sports? My brother did. My brother. My brother, he came um, to Oklahoma and, you know, because I'm from the Virgin Islands. He was like, hey, you got to come up here and play sports up here because you just do real good. And sure enough, I did. So, obviously, Joe, it was your speed. I mean, in high school, to run the 100 meters and win the states in 100 and 200 meters, was was track the early passion for you over football? Yes. Um, track. Track, baseball, um, basketball was the sports that we did back in the Virgin Island. Uh, we didn't have any type of football or even flag football. So, track and field, baseball, and basketball was the sports. 
Joe Aska, former running back. So when did you make the decision? And tell me about the journey to Central Oklahoma from Putnam City and high school where you were recruited. I mean, I'm sure these coaches from around the state couldn't believe how fast you were and your size and strength. Did you get multiple offers? How'd you end up at Central Oklahoma? Yes, um, there was there was a lot of offer um, from OU, OSU, um, UCO. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do was to run track as well and play football at the same time. And UCO was able to offer me that scholarship, you know, for a ride. And, you know, I accepted and that's where I started. Joe Ask is our guest, former Raider running back. So tell me the Al Davis story. I, I know what Mr. Davis liked in running back size and speed and track star ability there. You go in the third round, the 86 pick overall. Tell me about the journey to the Oakland Raiders. Oh, man, it was definitely a blessing. Um, just the whole pre-draft and, and everything that went with it, um, I was very excited knowing that I had the opportunity to go to an NFL team. Um, I didn't know it was the Raiders, but once the Raiders picked me, I was very excited. Um, and then once getting there, meeting Al Davis and him sitting down with me and letting me know that, you know, once you're a Raider, you're always a Raider. And I never understood it at the time, but now I do. And I think that speaks for itself, you know, what all that he has done with the players, coaches, and the staff in general. I know you were backing up at one point, Napoleon Kaufman. Tell me about that relationship and friendship there as you were making your way on the team. And obviously there were some great teammates that you played with in the backfield behind a great offensive line. Oh, definitely. Um, Napoleon Kaufman, <laughs> we call him Nip. Oh, man, that guy was awesome on and off the field. Um, from Derek Finner to Harvey William. Um, Man, these guys really taught me the difference, you know, and I learned from every single one of them what to do and, and how to be a professional. You're also one of those guys, Joe, that had to make your name on special teams. What was that like? How hard was that, uh, covering kicks and doing what you were doing on kickoffs? What was that experience like as, you know, you're a guy fighting to keep your job. How much did you enjoy playing on special teams and competing? Well, um, learn, learning it as a business, coming from college, you know, you're, you're number one at your sports at the time. And then when you go to the NFL and get drafted, you know, everyone around you is, is just as talented and, mm -hmm. and, you know, good. And one of the things that I had to do was learn how to fit in and, and be a part of the team. And, you know, special team was part of that to keep me around until I was able to get more playing time, mm -hmm. you know, in between. Joe Aska, what did it feel like getting that legacy brick from Mark Davis, having your name on a brick outside of Legion Stadium for the rest of your life? That's a great honor. Oh, man, that's definitely an honor. And, man, um, I tell you, is when when they sent that to me, I was, like, really, really humble, you know? Mm -hmm. And and to, to go up there and, and take that visit and to see that, I, I think that was awesome. Joe, what are you doing in your life now? What's new? Well, my wife and I um, started a couple of business. Uh, we run Ask a Professional Glass. Mm -hmm. um, we've been doing that ever since 2017. Um, we have a um also. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. We have over 13 employees. Nice. So I do commercial storefront. And that's what I do now. Um, and I enjoy just being able to be with my wife 
on a regular basis and be able to travel and do things on our own. So you have a glass company, you install glass door fronts and all that? That's what you do? Yes, sir. That's a matter of fact. Matter of fact, we did a job up in um, Winnemucca, Nevada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of glass around Allegiant Stadium there, Joe. You should have been for that, man. You would have, it would have took you years to get it done. But yeah, wait till you see the stadium. Have you have you seen the stadium yet, Joe? Yes, sir. I saw that, man. man that stadium is awesome. I was like, golly, that's a lot of glass. <laughs> that is a lot of glass, lot no of doubt about it. Well, that's great, Joe. Oh, we're, we're happy we can connect with you. Thanks for doing this. It sounds like your life and your family and the blessings of your career as a football player and what you're doing in your personal life. I know the Raider Nation would love to see you out here for a game, so we hope to see you out here this season. Definitely. I would definitely like to come out this year since the whole COVID stuff has cleared yeah. up. You know, and, you know, like like you said, able to mingle amongst one another back in the days, just reminiscing, you know, the good old time. And awesome. I think one day it's going to get back to that point. So yeah, we all hope so. We hope so. Vegas is opening up here, and we hope everything goes forward because we've got a big season awaiting everyone. Hey, Joe, thanks for doing this. All the best. Keep in touch, will you? Hey, thank you. You got it. Joe Aska, former running back for the Raiders, brought to you by the M Resort and Spa. Once a Raider, always a Raider. I remember Joe, and uh, I I came to the Raiders in 98. Joe was there 95 to 97, and after the Raiders, he went to Indianapolis. And then he had a really good career in the XFL. He was, uh, I remember a game I called. He was with the New York, New Jersey hitmen of the XFL. He led the team in rushing. Led the team in rushing and had five touchdowns in the XFL. He was, Joe played special teams, and again, it was tough for him to get out on the field all the time. But he had a few starts with the Raiders, played special teams. And, you know, one of the guys that knows Joe well texted me and said, man, what a good guy. Wish he would have lasted longer with the Raiders because he was the ultimate teammate. I'm talking to a lot of these great teammates, and Joe had a nice run. At Central Oklahoma, he's a legend. Now he has a glass company, and you learn about these guys. Fantastic. Thanks to Joe Aska. Uh, When we come back, we'll be able to wrap up the show here in about 20, 25 minutes. Jeff Nelson, four-time World Series champion for the Yankees on the Yankees' problems. And we're still watching England, Denmark. They're in the 81st minute, 1-1. Massive global soccer game at Wembley Stadium where the home team, England, is trying to just get a goal in advance to the final incredible action going on globally and we're talking about it on Raider Nation Radio 9:20 a.m. The pitch. Swing and a high fly ball into center field. Did he get enough of it? He thinks he did. Back at the wall. Gone. Rafi was posing. That normally means good things, and it does here. And it's 4-1. Look at Bobby. Look at Bobby getting in a Devers soundbite. The ultimate Boston fan, JT, back with you. 1-1 England-Denmark in the 85th minute here. A winner goes on to the Euro final against Italy. A lot on the line in this game. Everybody's talking about it. Bigger than the NBA finals, bigger than anything that's happening right now. Again, they are in the 85th going on 86th minute. Uh, Joining us, one of my favorite interviews. The guy I love to talk to, Jeff Nelson, four-time 
World Series champion for the Yankees, part of their recent dynasty, and now does broadcasting work for the Florida Marlins. Nelly, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And I know you got that Yankees podcast. How you been handling the drama of the season so far regarding the Bronx Bombers and their ups and downs, mostly downs? It's been a roller coaster. You know, you, you, they started out, and I was, and I was like, ah, you know, I really thought they were going to be like the Dodgers. The Dodgers started out hot, and I was like, oh, I thought the Yankees were going to be in the same boat. And they didn't. And then all of a sudden they caught fire. And then all of a sudden they went down again. I said, this is like a roller coaster ride. I said, I think I'm going to have to wait till September to see how this, how this team is. And, you know, I don't know if I can wait till September. I think we're starting to see what they're like now. I mean, they have a tough stretch here to end the month of July. And I think these next couple of weeks is really going to tell whether they're going to try to buy, try to add, or they're going to try to sell, maybe trade some guys off the team. Are you surprised Aaron Boone still has his job? Well, you know, I, no, no, I'm not surprised. You know, he, I don't, I don't know. I really, I like him. You know, I've, I've played with his family, you know, Brad and mm-hmm. his dad and Aaron. We were all teammates and at different times of the year. And I don't know how much firing a manager in the middle of the season helps. I don't know if it would help with the Yankees and, you know, it's, if they make other moves, maybe a different voice, you know, even the hitting coach, Marcus Timms, I'm a really good friend of his. And, mm-hmm. you know, even with, uh, even maybe having a different voice there, their approach, you know, having a different approach, maybe somebody else coming in and saying, okay, this is how we're going to approach things. Uh, I'm not really surprised. You know, they, Cashman came out and gave a vote of confidence. So did Hal Steinbrenner. So I probably would see them being around for the rest of the year. Jeff Nelson joins us. So uh, it's interesting because, I'm a diehard Yankee fan, so when I compare it, any Yankee team, I compare it to the dynasty that you were on that won four championships. Is that fair? Because we compare everything to the Jeter Yankees that you played on that won those championships four and five years, and that is the standard recently. And before you got there, you knew Reggie and obviously Munson, who was the captain before he passed away, back to Whitey Ford, who you would see at Old Timers Day. The bar has always been set so high. I think that's what's frustrating the Yankee fans the most. Oh, I agree, and it frustrates me as well. I mean, because before my, when I got there, they were comparing our teams, you know, back to, you know, the 70s and the 80s when they won the World Series back then. So, you know, obviously, and now they're doing the same, and it is fair. You know, expectations for the Yankees are unlike anywhere else in baseball, uh, you know, because of the 27 world championships, because of the expectation level, every single game, uh, you, you know, you, you have to be used to it as a player. I think you have to thrive on it as a player and accept it and say, you know what, we, there should be an expectation level here greater than say the Seattle Mariners or the A's or the angels or the Red Sox, the Orioles Rays. every single team expectation levels have always been different and always been higher in New York with the Yankees and anywhere else. Jeff Nelson is our guest. So, Jeff, I haven't talked to you in a while. I wanted to get your overall opinion. We had Rob Dibble on last night. Your opinion on the sticky substance, what you saw coming, how Manford handled it, and the reaction to the pitchers, and how you think they're getting on without having maybe that crutch, some that needed it more than others. How have you been analyzing that as you're also on the Marlins broadcast? Yeah, you know, it's kind of concerning in some ways. I've watched Cole and Chapman really go backwards since they all of a sudden cracked down on this spider tag, this, uh, you know, Pelican grip. I've never, we never had it when I was around. I mean, we never really needed to use anything to try to get a good grip on the baseball. You know, the baseball maybe was rubbed up different or it wasn't as soapy or powdery as it was now. And 
the thing that concerns me is that from I've talked to coaches, I've talked to players and former pitchers, and the way that they hold the hold the curveball or the breaking pitch, you know, they really don't have to snap their wrists like we used to. I mean, we used to get our to get our slider to get our breaking ball to break so big and to break so hard. We really had to snap our snap our wrists as hard as we could. We kept our forearms strong and everything else, and we were used to that that motion and that delivery. Now with the grip, they don't have to snap as much as they used to. And now that's been taken away. I mean, you look at Chapman, he's hung breaking balls. I've never seen sliders that just basically are cement mixers out over the plate. He's given up a few home runs on them. And Cole has not been the same over his last few starts since they've, since they've taken that away. So that's concerning to me. And you have Tyler Glass now who came out and said, oh, now that we can't grip the baseball, maybe that's one of the reasons why I got hurt. Well, maybe now you have to snap your breaking ball a lot harder because you don't have that grip. And maybe that is the reason why. You got hurt. So it is concerning with me. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm glad they, they cracked down on it. Now these pitchers have to, you know, basically get used to throwing a breaking ball a whole different, a whole different way now. And um, hopefully they can adjust and hopefully they can make those adjustments. Jeff Nelson joins us, four-time World Series champ. Uh, Nelly wanted to ask you about Otani and what's been blowing you away about him, the bat, the pitching, and just the phenom that he is. And he's healthy as Mike Trout is down. What a player. He is, and he's so fun to watch. And I think the biggest thing is the smile on his face, even when he makes an out. You know, he comes back to the dugout and, and uh, you know, has a big smile with his teammates. And that's the best thing about it. But what an athlete. You know, what a, I watch him pitch. He guy throws 100 miles an hour, and he hits the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, you know, he's got tons of power. He's got tons of speed. And from what I understand, he wants to steal more bases. And I think Joe Madden wants him to calm down. He said, okay, if you get a good jump, go ahead. But if not, you'll know, shut it down. We want to keep you on the team or keep you healthy for a while. But he's fun to watch. You know, every time you go and you, you, you might go to a baseball game if you're a fan, you go, okay, this is my favorite player. I want to go see this guy. If anybody gets an opportunity to see Otani in person, you know, buy a ticket. And this guy is something to watch, not just at the plate, but on the mound. I mean, it's incredible. He made them all-star team in both. What you see with the San Francisco Giants with the best record in baseball ahead of the Dodgers and the Padres? A lot of people are waiting for them to kind of go backwards. They've lost five out of their last ten as the Dodgers were streaking. How much longer can the Giants stay on top? Well, I think they surprised everyone. I definitely didn't have them there. I thought the Dodgers and the Padres were going to be at the top spot. But the Dodgers, I mean, the Giants have had really good pitching. They have Cueto back. Uh, you know, they might be a team that winds up making a move at the deadline to try to keep themselves ahead of the Dodgers and the Padres. Uh, they're good, good young hitting. You know, they've even gone through some injuries, uh, you, you know, and they've over, overcome those. You know, Posey being on the I.L., Belt being on the I.L., uh, Longoria being on the IL. So, and they've gotten past those. You know, you have Mike Talkman that got traded from the Yankees out to the Giants. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he's, he's done outstanding. So, you know, it, it's a fun thing to watch. You know, it's nice to, those, those stories are really, really fun because you never expected them to be there. And uh, you look at the Mariners out west, you know, they have a better record than the Yankees right now. And then they're, they're starting to trend up. So, those kind of stories are, are nice. And the Giants, hopefully, they do make a move and, and stay, stay in that run out there in the NL West. Wrapping it up with Jeff Nelson. Jeff, uh, Houston, 52-33 and 33, as we speak here with the sign-stealing scandal and how they put that behind them and they're playing well. Got to give them a lot of credit there as, you know, the A's are chasing them and the Mariners, but they look like they're going to be clear out in the West in the American League for a while. They have a, they have a great lineup. You know, I watch them, and I think they have the fewest strikeouts 
out of in baseball their lineup does and they're a contact team and and that's that's refreshing because it's almost old school you know everybody's swinging for the fences and swinging like it's 3-0 every single pitch uh, you know, we kind of compare the Astros and the Yankees, what the Yankees probably should be, a more more of a contact team and less of striking out and making things happen, hitting the other way. And if you get shifted on, go go towards the open open side of the field. Houston does that. You know, you look at their lineup, I think they're first in, in the American League, hitting over 270 as a team. Uh, I think they probably came into this season with an edge. You know, the 60-game season, you know, anything could happen, and it has. You know, you had the Marlins make the playoffs because it was such a short season. Now, you know, they're, what, 12 games under 500. But I think the Astros came in with the edge this year and, and say, listen, you know, we can, we're can. we a lot better team than everybody thinks that we cheated. And we're going to come out and prove everybody differently, and they've done that. They're a very dangerous team out there, a very dangerous team in the American League and maybe baseball. Finally, last one, you mentioned strikeouts, and strikeouts really bother our listeners, fans. I'm sure people, Nelly, stop you all the time. As we see, and we started with the Yankees, we'll end with that, with home run hitters and guys who are wailing at pitches, and if they're not making contact, they're striking out. Is this a big problem in your mind, baseball long-term as a pitcher, or do you think it'll all balance out over the years and we're going through a cycle? I hope it balances out, but it is, it is alarming. You know, you have all these teams, I'm going to say the Yankees, because I do a lot with them and on them, that you have too many home run hitters or guys that think they're home run hitters and are free swingers, and those guys are easy to pitch to. I've seen a lot more strikeouts up in the zone. A lot, a lot of guys swinging right through pitches, uh, about letter high and, and chest high and even chin high. They're swinging right through at 92 to 98. It doesn't matter the speed. You know, I, I like teams like the Astros, like Mike shorten up their swing. They're contact guys. They want to make things happen. They, they, they take the strikeout serious. They don't want to strike out. And, and I think more teams need to take that approach. And the Yankees are one of them. You know, I'm constantly seeing 13 strikeouts per game, 11 yeah. strikeouts per game. They're going into a three-game series, and they're striking out almost 40 times as a team. And that can't happen. You know, that's not baseball. I've watched a couple games, and it's really boring. When nothing happens and all you see is guys swinging out of their rear ends every single pitch, it's like, how about, how about settling back, you know, choke up, go the other way, shorten your swing, make contact. And that was one of the things that I thought, okay, they're taking – you know, the hitters started complaining about the tacky stuff. I'm like, well, how about how about shorten up your swing every once in a while? You know, go the other way. You have a whole half of the field wide open. Take the base hit. You know, there's used to be power numbers, and also guys hit for average. So what's wrong with that? And the Astros are doing it. You know, some Dodger guys are doing it. Aaron Judge is one of the few on the Yankee teams that does it. You know, it is alarming that there's so many strikeouts in a game. It's the pinstripe pod for the New York Post, so I'm sure we can download it at the Post site or just search for it wherever we get our podcasts. Right, Nelly? Exactly. Spotify, yeah, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we have a lot of great guests and uh, talk a lot of, hopefully, a lot of Yankee fans off the ledge every once in a while. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm one of them, and I listen. Thanks, Jeff. We'll talk to you again later in the summer. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me, JT. Always appreciate it. Nelly, walking us off the ledge. Yeah, Yankee fans need to get walked off the ledge, even with 27 rings. Got to get walked off the ledge from time to time. England and Denmark go to extra time now. They are tied at one in regulation, 30 minutes to come. If they don't score at Wembley in the next 30 minutes, they go to penalty kicks. Oh, that's a heart attack waiting to happen for those fans there. Incredible. Good game. Uh, Bobby and me are just a two-man team here. We had a hell of a show today. Nice job. Great that Joe Asco was able to check in. 
the great Steph McKenzie. Jeff Nelson was fantastic. Good to hear from him. And the calls on Tom Flores again. I think we're off to a good start uh, starting next week. I have a short week, a little Florida trip in and out, and then we're going big on Coach Flores, and it's all about Canton, Ohio. want to remind everybody I'm going tomorrow. Make sure you get over to Five Iron Golf at Area 15. The people that have been going over there love it. Thanks to Kenny, the GM. Five Iron has a bit of everything. Eight Trackman Golf Simulators. So have someone look at your golf swing with the greatest technology in all of golf. It's at one place here in town, Area 15, Five Iron Golf. And we have a $65 value for all of our listeners. One free hour on the simulator. Go have a cold beer, order some food, sit back, look at your swing for an hour. It's $65 value for free. Tell them JT sent you over to Area 15 and go check out Five Iron Golf. I think you'll love it. And it'll be your new place to join golf leagues and hang out and see what is happening in the best golf simulators. I played Royal St. Andrews the last time I was there, 18 holes. Felt like I was there in Scotland. It's that cool. Head on out there and check it out at Area 15. Thanks again, Bobby. Good being back in studio today. Everybody have a great day. I'll be on Sirius XM tonight, 7 to 10, on Sirius XM 82. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.